Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless, I guess, it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. You don't really even hear about bisexuals that much anymore, which is why I hold on to the label as tightly gripped as I do. Bisexuality is real. I think that in a world where we are trying to all come together, which is totally amazing, I do think it's important that we stay who we are and we don't necessarily assimilate to other things. And if you're bi, you're bi. And if you're straight, you're straight. And if you're queer, queer. And if you're poly, you're poly. And whatever, you know, omnisexual, which I sort of claim to be here and there. But bisexuality is something that was a bit of the redheaded stepchild of the LGBTQIA plus family. And even more difficult to find open bisexual men, which is why I'm so excited about my next guest. Zachary Zane, that appears to be his real name, is a uh, sex advice columnist for Men's Health and Cosmopolitan. He wrote a book called Boy Slut, uh, a memoir, um, which is fabulous. He is handsome. He is got sparkly eyes. He has an incredible zine called Boy Slut. If you want to read some very hot, sexy nonfiction, I'm telling you, these are, it's like literally, I've, I was never really into like romance novels or I don't know, hot, steamy erotica, but that's what this is. And let me tell you, I wasn't mad at it. I've been reading all types of articles on there and it was, it was lovely, but Zach really um, fearlessly talks about the kink community, the sex community, the sex worker community, the polyamory community, the bisexual community in a way that I was I was like, oh, my God, am I am I going to be up to snuff with this guy? Is he going to am I going to ask the right questions? But like all hot, sexy, bisexual people, Zach really. Uh, oh, I'm on a Zach basis. Sorry, Zachary. Zachary really put me at ease and uh, even tells you where you can find some other hot, sexy people, too. Do you know what the song YMCA by the Village People is about? Bathhouses. It's about cruising in bathhouses. Like, young man, there's always a place you can go. And I'm at my bar mitzvah doing the YMCA. It's literally about cruising for gay sex at YMCA and bathhouses and straight. Was the YMCA the first bathhouse you ever went to? No, no, no. I mean, well, that's not even a bath. I guess it's the Young Men Christians Association, right? That's what it stands for. But it has like the gyms and stuff. No, like there's bathhouses and I guess they're just literally like gym saunas, which isn't like an official bathhouse. But essentially, if you live in a metropolitan city, a gay friendly city, and even if it's not a gay friendly city, actually, maybe particularly if it's not a gay friendly city, in any gym locker room, there are guys blowing each other. Straight guys, quote unquote. But like in front of everyone? <laughs> no, no. So they do it. No, no, no. Not in front of everyone. And that's what, part of what makes it so hot. It is the subtlety of usually they do it in like a sauna or a steam room. No one else is in there. Someone walks in and then they quickly skirt away from each other. See, I got to tell you, before I had really come out or was dating women more regularly, I was still in my... Whatever phase I was in, I would go to the gym and wish when I went into the sauna that I would just start having sex with some chick in the sauna. Like, how hot is that? Especially if you don't even know each other and you're just like strangers in the steam. It's amazing. It is probably why I got so jacked in my early 20s. It was I'm like, I don't want to go to the gym. I'm like, at least I'll get blown afterwards. And so it was a positive reinforcement, a good motivator for me to keep going to the gym every day. I mean, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, I have talked about it on air, but Jodie Foster did see me naked in the Equinox in West Hollywood. And I just like stood there frozen. I don't think she was with her now wife at the time. I think she was like single. And I just stood there and I was like, please, let's have sex and please take care of me because I'm so poor and I just want to live 
in the hills with you and your kid. Like, I don't care. I'll be a stepmom. But alas, she was not interested, unfortunately. Well, I mean, did you make it clear you were interested? No, of course not. I didn't know what to do. I stood there like frozen. I mean, the other problem was that my body was moist. I was trying to put jeans on. There's nothing. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Than trying to watch someone just just force themselves into denim after being moist. Like it's really the least sexy thing on the planet, you know? Fair enough. Fair you enough. Know? Yeah. So like John Winston, who we both know, we're all bisexuals, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. love. Um, but I really find bisexual men, especially out loud and proud ones, so hot because I think you are now the real unicorn. Yeah. It's I've learned that I don't know how popular this phrase is, but the male version of a unicorn is called a dragon. I heard. And I do. Oh, like the I idea love that. Why of, wouldn't that be popular? Um, That's cool. I don't know. They're trying to like, is unicorn more gender neutral? But I think there, there's a specific dynamic of unicorns that kind of differ from dragons, right? Where unicorns like most men by men are not fetishized the same way. When I'm on a dating app, I don't have MF couples, straight couples looking to experiment, hitting me up every single second. I actually wish that was fucking happening. I would fuck all of them. But I don't have those. Like, I'm not getting harassed and bombarded the same way that women do. So I kind of think it's actually good to have two different terms to describe kind of the various experiences that bi women face on dating apps versus me as a bi guy. But yeah, it's funny since I've come out as bi, which was in, see, I came out like publicly April, 2015. I came out to myself early 2014. So it's been about nine years and then much more actually hooking up with guys. I started that another five years beforehand and that was a whole journey, but Oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say in this? Oh, yeah. Since I've come out as bi, uh, I've not dated a straight woman seriously. If I date a woman, they have to be bi. Why? And that's that's in part because straight women do not want to date me. Uh, I, I think that's probably the largest reason. They're still very insecure, very afraid that I'm going to leave them for a man. I'm using the term bisexuality as a stepping stone on the way to being full blown gay, or they're just kind of. I don't want to say embarrassed by me, but like I can be more effeminate. I like checking out dudes. And if they're and if they're in that, you know, they come from whatever it is, a more homophobic upbringing or from the South or they just they don't like that. They feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. And there is a sense of like. Like we understand, like we're both part of the queer community when we're by, and it's different when one per- you're you're part of the queer community and they are an ally. Like there is a very different experience in terms of dating as opposed to like oh, I'm dating another queer person who's also by, who also kind of gets it for lack of better words, who gets what I'm going through, who's not insecure or jealous or anxious about my attraction towards men. So I've just had healthy relationships with bi women, or it ends up being straight women who then shortly after dating me come out come out as bi, which I'm always like, oh, it, I'm like, it's obviously you're on your own journey here, but I kind of give them a little nudge because I feel like I'm hearing some things here and I feel like maybe you should try exploring with a woman without me. Are you usually in monogamous relationships with these bi women or are you still practicing like open relationships or, you know, um, polyamory? I've been poly almost as long as I've been bi. So I was bi. I was in a monogamous relationship for a year that ended. I discovered polyamory, which I can delve into how that happened. That's a little bit of a story there. So that was now maybe seven, eight years ago. And so I've been polyamorous uh, ever since with, you know, a range of partners. You know, I've had primary partners, secondary partners, casual partners, a boyfriend and a girlfriend at the same time. Right now, I'm actually not really, I have like more people I'm casually dating. I kind of almost want to bring back the term friends with benefits. I feel like that word had such a negative connotation because it was like associated with fuckboys and that's like what they wanted. I just want a friends with benefits and like not giving you anything more but i kind of like these people aren't partners but they are my friends so i do have some friends with benefits but i'm actually more single relatively more single than i've been in a very very long time being polyamorous because you always have certain partners that i feel like you're dating at some point i finally given some time to myself here do you feel like you say you always sort of feel like you're dating some i mean do you think that just becomes i feel like you you do you fall into these kind of primary ish partners even in polyamory often not all the time obviously but often and then does that always change 
I guess that it's always juggling. I, you know what it is. It's, I think I have so many poly friends. I, I'm like born and raised in San Francisco. All this stuff. I didn't have the life experience where like I was shocked to find out what polyamory was. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking from San Francisco. Like yeah. I've been around all this shit forever. For me, it's like the juggle. Maybe because I'm a lazy bitch. I'm just like, whoa, dude. That's I get like, it. It's a lot of energy exchange. It's Liz, I'm getting a little tired. That, that, that is the truth of it. I'm getting a little tired. But kind of two things to what you just said. But one of them was I actually realized I was, wasn't being as intentional as I should be in my relationships. I think the thing with polyamory is, you know, if I was dating someone monogamously, we went on a few dates and I realized, oh, this person doesn't satisfy these needs or we're incompatible in this way and I'm looking for a monogamous relationship, we break up. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this didn't work. But when you're poly, you're like, well, this person doesn't need to satisfy all my needs. Oh, we're not compatible in this way. That's okay. I have other partners. I have friends who yes. I value. So I end up kind of like dating these people. And before I know it, it's been four months, six months, and they want something more serious. And I'm like, I, I guess so. Like, like you almost fall into these relationships in a way where I'm like, I actually... But it's tough to break up when you're poly because when you're poly and you can just de-escalate, you could just be friends, you just be fucked. But you have to literally be like, not only do I not like want to like, essentially you're saying like you're not one of the top 50 people I want to hang out with right now. 50? <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever it oh is. Oh my but just, God. I, but whatever that number is. But it's just like, no, I actually just have other people I really want to see before you, even though you were nice, even though you were friendly. Like, So you have you to like really, you have to do the like. It, real hardcore cutoff in a way. It, it, it's a harsher breakup, I feel like sometimes. So I'm trying to be more intentional. I'm trying to slow things down. I'm trying to almost go with the flow less so I don't end up in certain relationships where I'm like, how did I get here? Like that that's not how a relationship should be, right? And then there was a second thing. Okay, that was like you were talking about See, poly. this is my thing with you. You have Oh tired. Oh yeah. yeah, tired. This is what I mean. You must be tired. You have all so, these blogs, all of these like you just wrote a book. You're fucking all these people. No wonder you're you. I, it's like all over the place with you. I, I not well. Hold on, it's not all over the place with me. Let's <laughs> calm down. You, now, now you sound like my mom, who's like, it's all over the place with you. I'm like, I have a successful book come out. I have partners. I have my own scene. And I have two columns. When a fucking no, I just mean I mean more but, like it's you are juggling a lot. No, I am juggling a lot, and, and I want you know like. I remember this was maybe a couple of years ago when I had a, both a boyfriend and a girlfriend and it was like non-hierarchical, I can never say that word, poly. So I didn't like view one as being more of a primary than the other. And about a month before like New Year's, um, Christmas time, whatever, or two months even, I like spoke to them I'm like, hey, so I want to kind of organize this right in advance here. And I think I saw, I like I spoke with both of them. One of them I essentially saw for Christmas. The other one I saw for New Year's. We had this planned out two months in advance. And then I stick to those plans. And then during that week, I have, you know, my girlfriend being like, I just, Zach, I don't, I don't want to be annoying, but like, I just feel like you're hanging out with your boyfriend more than you're seeing me. And my boyfriend was like, Zach, I, I don't want to be annoying. I just feel like you're hanging out with your girlfriend and, you know, engaging more with her than you'd see me. Mind you, I'm hanging out with them both 50-50. And I, and I just wanted to fucking scream. Yeah. That, that was true. I just wanted to be like, fuck both of you. I didn't go home and see my family, which I actually would have liked to do. Instead, I stayed in New York and I saw both of your families. We agreed to this. I'm doing this. I'm juggling this. And it's like, yes, your feelings are valid, but also fuck you. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like I like I understand, okay, you're feeling a little hurt and, and like and potentially, but it's like, fuck, like, can you see how hard I am working here on this and how much I've been navigating this and run these conversations and have these conversations with you? And like, I just don't want to deal with that shit anymore. That do is the truth. It, like, do you think poly relationships work best when every single person is actively in plural relationships as well so that the onus doesn't become this tug of war between one person? Because the, the, I would imagine a lot of them being upset was that you're splitting up your one, you are 100% busy yeah. and they're each 50%. I, I think it, again, it, it can potentially make it easier. It's tough when I write and talk about polyamory, which I do extensively, right? I have this polyamory column at Cosmo now navigating non-monogamy and a lot of it's just like, 
things that happen in practice versus things that theoretically could happen. Right. You know, the, like theoretically, it's just like, no, like if you are healthy and you have other friends and you have other yeah. families and you're not relying on this person, it does not matter how many partners you have. I could have eight partners. You could have one. If you communicate it and you're actually happy and you get your needs met, then it can be completely fine. However, in practice, I have noticed in my experience, it tends to be easier when they also have other partners as well. It just tends to be easier. And I'm kind of looking for something a little bit easier. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm always almost reticent to say that because I know like they're shitty misogynistic guys. Like, I just want like a chill, easy girl. And it's like, if they have any emotions whatsoever, they fucking gaslight them. I'm not talking about that shit. But like, I, I feel like some of the worst relationship advice I took to heart was like, relationships take a lot of work. And I'm not saying they don't. Of course, relationships take a lot of work. But I really took that 15 steps further. And I've been in relationships where it's like I'm crying every single no, day. We're no, having these no, tough no, talks. No. And I'm like, should take a lot of work. Not that much work. Not that much work. And it should still be enjoyable. It, no, it shouldn't when be this complicated. I, I agree. I When I see people, especially in the beginning of their relationships, I mean, Rachel and I have been together for nine years. Which yeah. is fucking crazy. Oh my God, I you guys should be... separate. It's been too long. I know. I'm joking. I'm no. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, we were like, oh my, this summer, I was like, oh my God, we've been together so long. And listen, things are hard and people change. And of course, especially in monogamy, like you, whatever, like you're, everybody's on their own, you know, you have your relationship, but like, People go through ups and downs at work or with their own families or or their family of origin or whatever. Like, I do think it takes work to make sure that you prioritize your partner. But you're right. I, when I see people and they're like fucking crying and breaking up and the drama and the this and the that. It, I it that is not I don't find that necessary. Actually, at the, at the risk of being a dick and slightly ageist, it's like who succeeds at polyamory people over 30. You know, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think people who just have a little bit more maturity, who have a little less insecurity. Also, I think it is a steep learning curve. I think at the beginning of my polyamory journey, I was significantly more jealous and I had to work on that and I had to navigate that. I learned how to communicate it in a way where, yes, I do want support from my partner. But again, this is also something that is not necessarily all my partners. So, you know what I mean? Like, I have to work on this internally as well. And yes, the finding that balance of, okay, how much support do I ask from for my partner? How much of it is like, this is my own bullshit and I need to work on therapy what it is that I need or be able to vocalize what it is I need for my partner. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that your girlfriends are typically or your part, well, maybe not partners, but your girlfriends or any relationship that you're in are mostly always bi because of yeah. all the biphobia with straight women. Do you ever experience biphobia from gay men that you're with? It's yes. And it's, hilarious because i mean the biphobia still goes i think you are gay it's never i think you are straight um for me you know what i mean so it's for that it's like they're not insecure or jealous or worried i'm gonna leave them for a woman or for a woman and i'm like i could i absolutely could so often the biphobia is a little bit more condescending a little bit more pedantic it's more like oh honey i was by two you'll get there and i'm like fuck you no i'm not gonna get there quote unquote, meaning I would come out as full blown gay. Um, although I do want to acknowledge, like, I've been doing this shit for a while now. And like, we've actually made leaps and bounds in the past decade in terms of bisexual visibility and toward people respecting bi people, realizing that we are real, that we exist. We're seeing higher rates every single year of bisexuals coming out in a way that bi people were really hardly out, paled in comparison to gay people. And so I do think the tides are changing. You know yeah. what I mean? And I and I love seeing this and I'm excited to kind of see how this will look. I, you know, I sometimes talk to some older at like bi activists and sometimes they can't wrap their heads around that almost they are succeeding, <laughs> you know, because they, they almost like failed for so or not failed, but struggled for so long in bi visibility. And I'll ask them, like, what comes after bi visibility now that we're actually significantly more visible and like we still need more bi visibility. I'm like, I, I understand that. I'm not saying we're done with bi visibility, but shouldn't there be an end game, a point beyond visibility, because visibility is not this panacea that's going to solve all of our problems. It's it's a first step in like a social movement, right? It's acknowledging that bi people are real. We exist. We deserve some goddamn respect from the majority group and also letting other bi people know that, hey, we are real. You're not alone. But that's 
can't be can't be our end game right right that, that's just the beginning step of like it and i sometimes talk to them and they're like they don't even know what to, like they don't even know what's next because their their mindset has just been on visibility for so long and so i'm excited to kind of see i've been working on this being like what, what comes after by visibility because we have seen such improvement in so long i mean in the past 10 years not in so long we oh, have seen a yeah. lot of quick improvement in the past 10 years i think you're right i mean for me i feel like some people say oh well, I mean, you've been in this relationship with Rachel for so long. It's a monogamous relationship with a woman for so long. Like, well, you're a lesbian. I'm like, and I don't mind when people call me a lesbian. I don't mind saying I'm in a lesbian relationship. I sort of use that. I don't, that doesn't bother me. But mm. when I do have the chance, I'm like, no, I'm bisexual. And and it, of course, the you know age old question, well, I mean, how can you still be bisexual if you're in a monogamous relationship with a woman? I'm like, because I'm still attracted to men and I don't need to have sex with them to be attracted to them. I don't need to have a relationship with a man now to validate the ones that I had before. You know what I mean? But yeah. And I think in one of the article, maybe it was the one that I read um, most recently about the hot bisexual uh, woman, which, by the way, anybody listening, if you want to feel very horny in the middle of your workday, 10 out of 10 recommend reading Boy Slut. Let me tell you, I was like, oh, I'm feeling I was like, I'm trying to eat this chicken salad and this and drink this LaCroix before my next meeting. And I feel very um, aroused. Uh, But you guys. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. So, okay. So I have two things. Either this is great branding or very confusing. So I have my book called Boy Slut, Boy Slut, a memoir manifesto. And that's like how to overcome sexual shame. It's definitely more of a traditional memoir. And then I have the zine called Boy Slut. And that is just nonfiction erotica that is raunchy as fuck. Wait, so that wasn't real what I read? She's real. I saw her no, no, OnlyFans. No. no, she no, she is real. No, no, no. Everything oh. is real. So it's nonfiction. It's nonfiction oh, erotica. I thought you just so, said it's fiction erotica. No, 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 no. And I was All like, it, oh my and, God. And that's what differentiates it. It's like, it's very rare where it's like I, and then I have other writers that I work with, people send them pitches and I pay $250 a piece. So like, please submit. And there's a long submissions guideline like these are all real sex stories that happen to real people and that's what makes it so but do they have to be hot what i have i mean the stories have to you mean the stories of the people sorry the stories should be hot the stories do have to be hot no i don't want like no no no. yeah and you'll see this thing i'm the people have to be hot i'm like i I don't know like we're just reading about them no i guess not but like you know the stories and again it's not about like emotional turmoil like that it's supposed to be hot and sexy and fun and something ridiculous and i do like that i do have a narrative arc in all these stories so it's not just smut for smuttiness it's about great i have a submission that i got that i got so far down the line with modern love and then they rejected me (sighs) and they were like we just can't and i'm like what the fuck it's i mean it's the first time i ever dated no it's ridiculous i can make it more raunchy it wasn't raunchy i made it less raunchy because i was like oh my god this is going in the new york times like holy shit but it um it was my first ever real lesbian date i had met her on okcupid because i had slept with women before i mean i had Mm -hmm. had sort of you know rendezvous here and there so to speak but i had never really like gone out on a proper date with a woman and that was something i really wanted to accomplish i had slept with tons and tons of couples and women Mm -hmm. that were like and i'd always have to like fucking deal with their husband and i'd be like i don't really want to fuck you i'm like here to fuck your wife if i wanted to fuck you that'd be pretty easy you know what i mean like i'm here to explore this and so i really had set this goal for myself that i wanted to go out with Somebody that was my age, a lesbian. So I went on OkCupid and I met this, um, I met this woman. And the story is I've done, I've performed it as stand-up since, but it is completely true. And it is the most insane thing that has ever. It's like I, it doesn't I would love it, to read it, it. It involves twins. It involves oh, like right. being, it involves um squatting in um office buildings. It involves like famous skater it was just it was something else so uh, I, I will submit it i'm please, going to submit it please do um now we talked about it a little bit before we started recording you went to vassar you loved going to vassar you are mr vassar you recently <laughs> just spoke at your 10-year uh anniversary you did um 
you had a talk there. We you kind of made a joke that you were talking. I was like, because you have another. There is another story on the zine, not written by you, I believe, the hairy asshole. In the oh, bathroom. that was someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I've written about my hairy asshole on multiple occasions. Oh, no, I know. One. Lots of yeah. hairy asshole. Got it. Got yeah, it, got always. It, got it. Give um, the people what they want. Yeah. You know, if that's if that's what you're into. So but we were talking about how you in front of these 78 year old women who were also had perhaps gone to Vassar had attended your talk. And you're like, there I am talking about hairy assholes in front of 78 year olds. What was it first like when you had your first piece published about your sex life and your family saw it? Ooh, uh, so uh, <laughs> let me think here. Um, so I mean, luckily I do come from a decently sex positive family, right? I'm uh, the I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, liberal Jews. I'm also the third boy so like as any person who's like the third son can tell you like you can get away with murder like i feel like they were much stricter on the first two by the time they got to me they were just a little bit too tired uh to deal with my friend has three boys under six right now let me tell you that third yeah. one he's getting away the, with murder yeah so that's what it is it's so again originally i wasn't writing like graphically about sex that kind of progressed over time that's not how i started a lot of what i started was specifically discussing bisexual identity and a lot of that was actually discussing like bisexual health disparities struggles while dating while bi and so i was kind of and then like in dealing with internalized biphobia a bunch of other stuff right and kind of through that, I was making a career. And then there were some more raunchier things that came out. And I didn't realize my mom had a Google alert for me at the time. And this oh is whatever, God. seven, eight years ago. And your like, parents this? are so young and techie. I thank God my mom doesn't even know. My mom literally will have one conversation with me. And each and every thought will toggle between my hotmail address, which is the only email address I'm giving her and like text message. And she's like, I just responded to you. I'm like, where? And then I have to go log into Liz Squid Row 69 at hotmail.com and like find my mom's fucking next thought. I mean, it's like that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that's a hilarious email address. Um. But like it's real, uh, you guys can email me there. <laughs> it's uh, you and your mom. Um, but no. And so I kind of had this conversation with her where I, I set these boundaries where I'm like, hey, I and I explained what it is I'm doing. You know, I'm not talking just being raunchy just for the sake of being raunchy. I think there's actually power discussing sexuality, you know, and uh, and including more graphic depictions of sex. That's actually part of kind of what I firmly believe in and a culture that's so afraid to talk about sex. I want us to feel more comfortable talking about it. I think that's how we reduce shame. I think that's how we can get what we want sexually and have a satisfying sex life with communication, with talking, without being ashamed. So it's actually very important to me in my you know philosophy and how I approach sex positivity to be raunchy. That, that is important. So I explained that to her. I also explained that like we're going to have to set boundaries. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, let's remove this Google alert. I will, when I write an op-ed for the New York Times, I will send that to you. When I write a feature for Rolling Stone, I will send that to you. When I write my little blog posts about being raunchy as fuck, no, I won't send that to you. And, you know, with my book, she actually hasn't read my book. I forbid her to read it, um, <laughs> which I don't know if that actually, and she's, and I know because if she had read it, she wouldn't be able to look me in the eyes. So like, so I would know if she's read it. She has not, but I almost think it's built it up that she now thinks it's more ridiculous. No, like, more is. not ridiculous, yeah. but like more graphic and absurd or insane than it is. I'm like, it's actually not. They're just maybe two chapters. I really don't want her reading. One about my kinks and one about, I talk about like sexual risk and my right to not wear condoms and stuff like this. And so I don't want her to freak out about that. But like the rest of it's actually not as wild but i think a lot of it and this is a, a real thing that i've also seen with like actual sex workers i work you know adjacent to sex work is like what when you start making money from it your parents kind of leave you alone a hundred percent and again i am not making a ton of money and if everyone could buy 10 million copies of my book that would actually be really really helpful <laughs> so i could earn out and start making some fucking royalties here but like no i make enough you know what i mean i think there's a difference between when you are a little blog writer and asking your parents for money versus like, I'm actually completely self-sufficient. I have, you know, these two columns at Men's Health and Cosmo. I have a very popular book that came out. Like, because I'm doing well, I get to, I, I get less flack from them. You have 
had sex with sex workers in the past or a sex yeah. worker. Would you ever do sex work? I have. I have. Um, I'm not necessarily as public about it just because I still don't understand the exact legality <laughs> of what I'm allowed to say. But like, no, it's I love sex. I love money. I love the power exchange. You know what I mean? I just love that. So I feel hot when someone's willing to pay for me to have sex and when they can have sex with whoever the fuck they want, especially on Grindr. There's always you know, like oh, God. Uh, a 19 year old twink or sniffies. Sniffies, which is even more fucking insane. Wait, which do I you love. want me to tell you something so crazy? Sure. I know who started Sniffies. Yeah. It's not what you would think. It is. Uh, it, it, listen to this. Picture it. Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive. Three months ago, there I am, waiting to get my hair done. Run into my friend Jen, Jen Landon. You can see her on Yellowstone. Chit-chatting away, talking about bop, buddy, bop, 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 the strikes, the this, the that. And somebody there looks at me and goes, oh, my God, Liz, you've got to look at this website. It's like not. I said, what? It's, she's like, it's not an app. It's like a website. I'm like, OK, let me look at it. And she just hands me the phone. And for those listening at home, Sniffies is buck motherfucking wild. It's just gaping assholes real time. It's like not a real app. It's just on your phone. You go on it and you can literally literally find predominantly queer men gay men to have sex with it's like grinder well, on steroids it, it really is and the reason why it's on browser and not ios is because it's too graphic right you're not allowed to show butthole and dick on your like profile page if it's on ios or google so it oh. has to be on a browser and it's even crazier because you could just be like here's my location and it's just like butthole butthole and then there's like sex party i mean it's just it'll be like 19 assholes and you're like whoa that's fucking crazy so there i was i'm looking at this i'm like you guys what the fuck is this that you're showing me and this woman there was like hey liz remember i told you about my sister and her fucking crazy husband that she was trying to divorce and like he was telling her that she was shaming him because he was bi and i was like i think so i'm like i kind of know this woman but not really but i'm like yeah i remember that story it's her it's her brother-in-law started it and he's and he claims that he started it for his gay brother when we know that's not true anyway I, how I, crazy I, i'm telling you sniffies is like real here's the thing I'm 38 years old. I did a bunch of crazy shit. I wrote for this column that do, like does not even exist anymore a million years ago. That was basically like, it was like pre-Vice vibes. And I like would go on dating. I never really like, it was bef like when Craigslist it, dating kind of started to happen. It was just like fringe personal dating it was like before dating apps really happened i was 19 i think when i was writing for them i was getting 20 dollars an article was this exojane or is this before exojane way before exojane okay, it's yeah. called wait now i'm like forgetting it's um it'll come back to me i never talk about this but it was um oh my god it's like right on the tip of my tongue i'll remember by the end of this but it was like an alternative it was like vice before vice it was like an gotcha. alternative yeah. whatever site and that is when I started to like go out with people on fuck through this date. Nerve.com. That's what it was called. Nerve. Ooh. Nerve was really cool. They had great essays. Okay. Um, well, I wrote I'm for there when I was at the new school. I came home for the summer, needed a job, whatever, $20. And I would go out with these guys. Fucking nerve.com. One, I almost got murdered. That was fucking buck wild. Another time it was a couple that was like, we'd like to give someone a massage. And I was so young that I was like, oh my God, I've been lifeguarding and like teaching kids how to swim all day. My joints are so tired, a free massage. And then I like go over there and I'm like, oh, y'all are trying to fuck me. And yeah. you're not even hot. And there's like kids toys everywhere. It like couldn't. And you're been. not even good at massages. Like at least be good. At, give me a deep tissue. Work with me here. It was so weird. I was like, what? I can kind of still picture them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so I am no like prude or stranger to like how people meet online and like escalate sex, et cetera. But I do find that sniffies, we are like at a very interesting apex 
of meeting up for sex. Also, as a woman, I'm like, damn, is that fucking safe? But I guess the dudes are fine and they're it's figuring different. it out. But it's different. Yeah, it is. But um, it, it, I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway. Um. All right. So you would consider because I think. Listen, OnlyFans to me, I'm like, get your fucking coin. A friend of mine, Michelle, she's I'm actually recording with her next week. She started a site called Sunroom. I don't know if you're familiar with Sunroom. Cool which is amazing. Uh, she's ex-Bumble employee, so it's very much like OnlyFans for women, but they sort of guide the experience. I'm like oh, down. That's yeah, cool. it's really cool. You, she created this technology where you can't screenshot. Like if you went to screenshot something in the app, it would create like a sunburst and it would cloud it. So, so I see that elsewhere, but there's a, you know, there's a quick kind of way around that. You can just screen record. So literally, I have like if you don't but want to screenshot, she, it does maybe that. Maybe she made. Maybe it. she blocked that too. Maybe I she think blocked it's that in too. the app that you can't okay. do it. I don't know. Listen okay. to my episode after yours comes out. Yeah. She's the next guest after you. So, so anyway, so I just you know it's so interesting how things have escalated. And I was on a thing called Lifestyle Lounge back in the day. Do you know what that is? It still exists. Oh my god, I'm Doesn't sure it, it does. I don't, honey. I have been the, in a lesbian relationship the, for nine years. The, I have. The swinger like sites and apps like they have not changed. Oh, I bet. In many years, I'm fairly confident they're still quite popular. And when you wrote this very viral article about Hedonism 2, which is a swinger resort, I I died. So many years. I remember when I basically my journey was I mean it's so crazy I literally was driving in the car with my boyfriend at the time it was Halloween and this gorgeous couple flagged us down and they said we'll pay you $200 to drive us to our hotel and I was like whatever get in the car and then we went back to their hotel and they were having a full-on orgy because they had just come from a party in San Francisco that was very famous for a very long time called Pleasure Zone which was couples and women only could go Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I broke up with him shortly after I dated that couple on and <laughs> off for a very long time, which is Love crazy. It. And then I kind of like dove into this like crazy swinger world, which was a lot older than I was. I was in my early 20s. It was way before Instagram. Facebook was. Yes, people were on it, but really people were like using these apps and then even like fucking Craigslist, which is crazy and personal ads and like San Francisco Chronicle to meet other people. But I really got to see the world of, you know, a lot of polyamory and a lot of polyamorous relationships, a lot of primarily women trying to explore their bisexuality, a lot of just like wanting to a lot of swapping, which was fine. But I did see a lot of sex workers sort of travel in and out of the this friend group, which I thought was really mm-hmm. interesting and pr- likely because a lot of us, obviously, there's no we're not shaming them and we don't care. But it always was yeah. interesting to me where I was like, huh, like, would you now that there's only fans and you can do it from the privacy of your own home, a lot of sex work, it seems like a natural go to. I would fucking do it. I'm trying to redo my kitchen. I, I part of me is like I've recorded so many videos of myself over the years that like I have so much fucking content. Why don't you <laughs> like just it, do it and make some it, scroll? It, it, there's um, it, you can't like from my learn the people who are successful like this is what they do full time. This is a forty hour job, and the people I know who are like oh I kind of do this casually because the market's so oversaturated. Like for me, just putting in five hours a week, but it's like you have to message people, you have to do promos, you have to work Got on it. your Twitter, you have to be consistently doing it. And even though I write so graphically about sex, there's still, for some reason, there have been like shows I was going to be on. They're like, hey, do you have nudes out? I'm like, what? And, and like, even though it was a sex show and there's still certain opportunities that I think would potentially be impacted uh, by having an OnlyFans, which is ridiculous considering I'm a sex writer who talks about sex. Um, Interesting. And then, I think a, and then I think another thing is people get off on the fantasy of me. On um, the fact that they haven't seen me. I mean, I know literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people have jacked off to me. And boy, do they like letting me know when they read my articles. You know what I mean? I love that. And please do let me know the moment that you came. But I feel like if they like watched me actually have sex, like, yeah, I'm great at sex. I have fun. But it's like, I'm not like, I, I'm not doing anything crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it almost would be disappointing when you've built me up in this pedestal so long as to like what I can do. And then I almost feel like if you see it, you might just be like, huh. 
all right, he fucks like another hot dude. Well, you know what I mean? So interesting. I don't know. I kind of like, like don't meet your heroes. You know? Yeah, it's almost like the allure and the mystery of it, uh, I, I think, is part of the appeal I have. And if I start giving it all away, I mean, hmm. they'd have to pay for it. That might change that. But again, I also like the main reason is I don't want to do it. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. And, and I'd like to do less work. I'm trying, I'm on my, I don't want to do shit mode. I think I just have this book came out and I'm exhausted, but it's like work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So yeah. again, if everyone could buy 10 to 20 million books, like we'd be like <laughs> cooking with gas here. Then we would just be good to go. Is there anything that you haven't done sexually that you're like dying to do? I, someone asked me this recently and there are not many. If I want to do something, I'm pretty good about making it happen. And I'm pretty good about having a community of sex positive people where I'm like, I want to explore this. And they're like, all right, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like we like making fantasies come to life. I still haven't done like a proper blow bang bukkake where it's just like 15 dicks that I'm sucking off and they all come on my face where it's just like I'm the only bottom sucking off everyone. I still haven't done that. Although, as you know, with Sniffies, I could probably make that happen I was going to say, seconds. that feels like one of the easiest things we could have. I, it, it just, no, I, yeah, it's, you know what? I, and I'm in no rush because you got to have certain things. Yeah, I can't do all of it, right? Like, I recently tried sounding and that was fucking insane. What's that? Oh, God. Uh, you put a urethral rod. It's either silicone nope, or- No, no, thank you, sir. I don't know what okay. you're saying. And I That's don't- That's fine. Rods. Yep. Nope. Ure- nope. I think nope. we're good. Yeah, yep, that's, we can move on. That makes yeah, so, me scared inside. Yeah, so no, that's fair. That's fair. And the reason why I did it was because it made me scared inside. I was like, I, I want to do it because it makes me scared inside. Um, so I, I've done a lot. I've done yeah. a lot, but I'm excited for more. To uh, there, there's always more opportunities to have, and that's one thing I love about writing about sex and kinks. And when people share kinks, I'm like, I didn't know that kink exists. Like, like, and when you really start delving into weird nuances and dynamics, like, there, there's always more. People are fascinating. Attractions are diverse and wild and ridiculous and nonsensical. And I just love that element. That's why I love writing about it. How if somebody was like, how like, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm that kinky. I don't know what my kinks are. Do you think everybody has a kink or has kinks? No, but but I think a lot of people do. I, I, I think there are definitely people who are very happy being vanilla. And I feel like those people typically know that. Where they're like, no, this isn't for me. And they enjoy their sex life. And maybe those people, uh, sex isn't as a huge aspect of their life. Sex could be a huge aspect of your life and you are completely vanilla. I just noticed that's typically not the case. That for vanilla people, it's usually not this big thing in their life. They're like, yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. But like, that's not the glue that holds my relationship together. I think if we really lived in a world without shame, allowed ourselves to embrace our kinks, I do think the vast, vast majority uh, would have kinks to various capacities to varying degrees. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel I don't regret anything I've done ever. Um, I love that. I do regret like things I've said and like that kind of shit where I'm like, oh, I should have done this or like, oh, I should have taken that job. But in terms of like me prowling around with 30 to 40 year old and sometimes 50 year old like swingers in my early 20s like i don't regret it i was saying to you earlier i follow a lot of these people on facebook i can't believe they're all still friends they all just cleanse their souls in the mud and burning man they're all like burners from san francisco like whatever most of them all seem to survive that period in our life unscathed and all still practice are like a huge poly community. Like they all still are very close friends and have. I'm assuming they have sex and whatever. Only thing is like, I don't know if it's desensitized, but I mean, I would have no problem just walking into like a full sex club, right? Like I don't have, I mean, maybe that's not a problem. I don't, I, it's a, I, it's like, I felt like there was a little desensitization that I went through and I had to like step away from it because for me, when it was like every weekend, these parties, and it was a huge part of my social life, I was like, oh God, like it's taking me more and more to get turned on or more and more excited versus like kind of the immediacy. Do you ever feel like you're like, okay, if I see one more like dick in my face, like or are you just like, no, I'm fucking into no. it. No, Liz, I go, th- I go through the same thing where I'll see, I'll go to sex clubs, you know, every week for whatever, to, uh, every weekend for like a month or two. And I'm like, 
all right, I, like there is the rest of New York City that I should explore. Like, like you know what I mean? Like there are a lot of cool events going on. Like I don't need to be doing this all the time. But I, I think that's also an unfortunate like reality. You know what I mean? I think a part of the funness when I first became, started going to sex party was a little bit of that adrenaline rush, a little bit of that fear, you know? Oh that, yeah, not, 100%. Yeah, not, 100%. Not, not, I'm not even talking fear of like assault. I'm just talking Mm-mm. fear of just like, being naked and vulnerable yeah. and talking to people and all of it. And you got off on that high, that anxiety rush. And then it's different when you you go and you're just like, oh, this is so normalized. This is so desensitized. And there's a beauty to that as well. You know what I mean? But it doesn't, it doesn't make it arousing. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Um, so it's I, I work on finding that balance. I think the key for me is just doing different sexy things. And then I can go back to it. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to the same sex party too often. I'm seeing the same people. Go to this sex party, travel to another fucking country and go to a brothel there. Like whatever it is or set up something, uh, a gangbang myself. Like it's there's so many different things to do sexually that even a sex party is just one thing to do sexually. And it's the same people you're seeing, the same people you're having sex with. Like, How do you find a sex party now? I don't even know. I wouldn't even know. It's like when somebody I recently was somebody asked me if I had cocaine, which, by the way, have no problem talking. I do not do cocaine. It's not my thing. and never did like whatever. No tea, no shade, except for the fact that no one, in my opinion, should really do drugs right now because they're all laced with fentanyl. But whatever. Somebody asked me, oh, Liz will know. Where do you get cocaine? I'm like, I don't fucking know where to get cocaine. I know where to get weed because you can just walk into the fucking store and just get weed. But like cocaine, like, I don't know. If Somebody was like, Liz how do I get to a sex party? I'd be like, girl, I don't know. Go on lifestyle from 15 years ago. Like how would somebody find if they're not going on sniffies, which let me tell you, easy sex parties all over the place. How would a bisexual woman or a bi couple or a bi curious person find a sex party? It's the thing is you got to get into the community, you know, like capital C community here when they kind of talk about it or the quote unquote lifestyle. Like, the thing is, they purposely don't necessarily market this to everyone because they don't know if you are safe. <laughs> you know, they don't know like who the fuck you are. They don't want random people coming in. So it is purposely, while it's all very prominent, you have to know where to look. And the way to best part of the community, sorry, the way to become like part of the community and meet these people is through apps like FetLife, potentially. They have munches where they have in your area where you can meet other kinky people. You talk to them. You ask them, hey, where do you guys go out? What are the events that you like? And Wait, they'll let you know fat things life? in your area. F- FetLife. FetLife. Fat. F-E-T-L-I-F-E. Oh, I don't have you, know. Oh, oh, I don't fe- know anything. Oh, FetLife is like the Oh, like fetish life. Yes. Duh. I'm thinking, yes. I was like, fat life. that's not very bad. Is it bi- body positive? I don't know. Fat life. No, no, fat life. life. This has been around forever. It's like a Facebook for kinky people. But I'm not, I don't think I was ever kinky. I think I was hoey and slutty and very in my skinniest phase of all time. And I loved going to like a lingerie party. You know, it's yeah. And I I understand like there's not complete overlap in that. But the kinky people often are poly and slutty as well. Got it. And so just from that, you can find what the sex clubs and sex parties are. But yeah, I think it's you have to meet other people who are doing this. And that might mean, yes, you're getting on these swinger apps, uh, hooking up with some people, asking them, hey, where do you guys go? Like, that's what it is. But if you just like kind of Google it, you might be a little bit. Yeah, you're going, you're like getting to like four tube and like adult friend finder, which I don't yeah, think exactly. is like whatever. Mm-hmm. Huh. What is, so you have obviously this incredibly successful book, very successful columns in some of the most prestigious lifestyle magazines ever, Cosmopolitan, Men's Health. What is next for the ultimate boy slut? What's next for the boy slut? So I'm actually going to be writing a novel, which I'm very excited for, which is a little divergence for my usual writing. But I feel like there is a memoirist to novelist pipeline. Um, And the reason for that is kind of twofold. Number one, it's like you can't write a memoir every year. That's kind of takes away from it. And yes, I could write another collection of essays, but like I actually said what I wanted to say. You know what I mean? Like, like this book was like, I'm talking about sex positivity. I'm talking about bisexuality, polyamory, kink, how to navigate rejection, how to navigate apps like Grindr, like Sniffies. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of said what I wanted to do. 
And I think right now being a kind of a D-list gay celebrity, if you will. So not even a real celebrity. I'm at the totem pole. But people are very entitled to me. I've shared a lot about my body, a Mm. lot about myself. And I think for my mental health to take a little bit of distance away from me being the brand is the only way I'm going to be able to to sustain this long term without losing my fucking mind. Like that's the honest to God truth. And again, my novel is going to be very fun. You know, it's going to be in the vein of red, white and royal blue, which is very, I know, popular right now. Very queer, very bisexual, very cute rom-com. Like, so it's still, it's not like I'm going to be writing like historical fiction about World War One. You know, it's like I'm still writing about the stuff that I want to write about that will include polyamory and kink and bisexuality. But I just think moving forward, I need to share potentially a little bit less of myself. So that way, yeah, I, I don't break down and I can keep doing this long term. It's hard to share yourself in writing online. Like it's, it's so taxing. I think it's really freeing. I think it's really cathartic. I, at least I can speak from my own experience, but it is, it can get tiring. So I think protecting yourself emotionally and physically and otherwise is, is really important, especially to recognize, I think, earlier on rather than much later. So I think that yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. And right now, again, I'm in my I really just don't want to do shit stage. I probably am a few weeks from now, I'll be like, all right, I really do need money. I got to hustle here. But like, at least for another month, let me bathe in this uh, in my columns in my book. And then I'll have to start getting back down to business again. (laughs) Okay, last question. Who Mm -hmm. is the hottest bisexual celebrity? That's not you. Uh, You can pick two since we're in the binary. Um, I mean, Megan Fox, like, like, let's just a classic, classic bisexual woman. We love her. So hot. I mean, Jennifer's body iconic. I mean, lesbian canon. Incredible. Let's see for guys. There are fewer and farther in between. Right. For openly bi men. I sometimes struggle to even just I'll tell you who it is. Yeah. Tell me fucking Hardy. I mean, he's not openly bi. If he was, isn't he? He is not. Uh, there's a lot of rumors. No, I think he did. I think he did say that he had sex with a guy. That doesn't necessarily mean he's bi. It means he expl- he's never used the bi. I, I think he calls himself straight. If it was Tom Hardy, oh, absolutely fuck. fucking Tom Hardy. All I right, fine. That. I'm not trying to out someone. I thought he said that. Maybe you're right. He I, just said he's I, I had sex. I think he was in like a gay, he was working like gay club. I don't know. I don't want to spread oh, that really rumors, that really whatever it is. I've been but, sitting here thinking the whole time that he's bi which made him super hot to me. And now I have to pick somebody else. I don't even know who's a fucking hot bi guy. Me. That's the answer. It's you. You are the answer. That's it. Thank thank God. We'll take it. I will take it. Trust me. I showed (laughs) you to my wife because my wife loves a bisexual guy. I was like, oh my God, look at this guy. She's like, ooh, he's hot. I was like, I know. I'm like, well, you can read boy slut. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. This was so fun. Thank you so much, Liz. It was great. (laughs) As um, Zachary asked you and me a few times, go check out Boy Slut, um, available anywhere that you buy books. Check out his zine, his Instagram, all my uh, straight identifying ladies. Go check him out. Uh, his Instagram, it'll, it'll blow your mind. He de- he definitely does not hold back. And for his sake, I hope his mother is uh, is holding strong to those boundaries. 